To enjoy this and other great episodes on Patreon, check out the link in the description and subscribe via the Black Kluge tier for full access to over 100 exclusive episodes. For those of you who would like some QF swag on TeePublic t-shirts, magnets, mugs, what have you, also click on the link in the description. Would you sure. pretend that I am Bahati? I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, it's hot in the garage, I'm wearing a bra top, I okay. have my, and I only have panties on, I'm being honest. Can you go a little slower? Just to talk about it. <laughs> do you have underwear on under that rope? I do. That's all I have on, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, wait, so, you're in your garage. You're in your garage. Bahati is... Uh, I'm Bahati. You leave it alone. You know what? You're doing just fine. I, I should only look like you. All right, so I'm Bahati. We're in the garage. I'm bathed. I'm moisturized. I've completely shaven for you. And I'm sitting here listening to my husband. Gross. <laughs> I've had dinner at Mar-a-Lago with Donald many times. Not at the same table. But he would come over. He would give me a tour of Mar-a-Lago. I, I, I've been there. I told you. It's like heaven. Oh, it's hot. It's a burn my mouth. <clears throat> uh, dry oatmeal. Uh, I need one. What? Oh. On it. Where you could just put them in your ear and, like, they'd be Bluetooth or something? Because I need to... I can't even afford to buy socks anymore, you know? No. Well, all right. Well, hey, I'm glad to hear you're doing okay and uh, have my routine. And the days go so fast because I just sit in my room and entertain myself. Like when I was a little boy. Time means nothing. Yeah. No such thing as time. <laughs> if I didn't have to shower and eat, I'd just sit in that room. I'm yeah, telling you, it's that it's that narcissism where you think the whole world revolves around you and you're entitled to do whatever you want. But, you know, when you're a football player and you're used to being catered to and you're the most famous football player in the world, you can get caught up in that. And then when your wife says, hey, you know, you need to take the garbage out and drive the kids to school, and you get resentful and you go, don't you know who I am? You know, I can't get that image of your dad playing piano with you on your with, with you on his lap. It's just uh, I don't usually feel stuff. So this never happens to me. Um, Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to QF, a podcast about Howard Stern. I'm your host, Phil Morn, a.k.a. Jim Fix. And with me for the ride is in his second, well, really third, but second inaugural episode. I guess it's not inaugural if it's your second, but <laughs> Len Young. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Good to be back. Good to be back. We, uh, I suggested this topic to him, and he was all aboard for it. Uh, it's the Ablo ambushing of Artie on the show circa... Just uh, for uh, 112, 2009. That's January 12th for all of those of you who don't abla. And um, it, it was, I, I remember distinctly at the time, the, the 2009 was not, of course, a banner year for Artie during, in terms of drug addiction and all the, uh, the you know, the, the, he was just not in good form. And even half of 2008, attacking Teddy, attacking Sal. Be honest, if you were his superior, if you were Howard or whoever it is responsible for firing him, wouldn't you have fired him after the Teddy thing? 100%. Mm -hmm. I just think that's a line that you cross. Physical violence in a workplace. Once you go there, that's it. 
Right. And it's interesting to note that when that happened before, remember that happened with Stuttering John and AJ Benza. Yeah, he was gone. No yep. question. No question. Gone. He believes that that was set up for him to and like. I'm like, how did you set up you slapping going to a trying to slap? Set up. How did how did they set up you swinging at Stuttering John and hitting Gary? <laughs> but, Gary was about a foot shorter than wasn't he? So it was easy for AJ to just get a you know. But uh, yeah, I, maybe maybe that's the case. Well, I mean, I it, it was definitely stuttering John on the on the phone line, the last person trashing him about his after hours show yeah. that bombed, uh, and his ex- explanation later on was that the uh, the head of E at the time, Mindy Herman, and uh, he, she just didn't like there's turnover in programming, so he was doing that mysteries and scandals show, which I actually l- liked. It's on uh, YouTube, and he's some really great episodes if you're into old Hollywood. And, um, but he was just like, you know, the host, he could have been anybody doing that. It wasn't special to be him. And, um, he got a show that was canceled on E and he was all upset about it. And then all the callers started goofing on it, but John was putting through callers who were specifically going to goof on it and he couldn't take it. And he was pissed off and probably had been out all night, coked up drinking and this happens. But Artie, what Artie did was no better, even though he didn't make contact with Teddy, uh, the intent was there. But it happened with John before. Uh, yep. John, when um, Ralph was having a nap on the couch. <laughs> I remember that. And he went and he went, oh, oh. <laughs> was it, and, but uh, that was John instigating it. That was John, yeah. And uh, Ralph gets up and he's got like a diaper on his head. He's got some do-rag that. on his head. and Right. And uh, he starts throwing. Now, he, he didn't throw hands, but he threw a, a shoe at him, I believe. But again... Ralph's in the Middle East, that's deadly. Ralph's yeah, Ralph, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph's not, Ralph's not going to get fired. Uh, no, no, Ralph is not going to get fired. And pretty soon we're going to cover the one episode where um, they all go in, they all systematically take turns shitting on Ralph. And it's fascinating because it's not he's Teflon. He knows his position is secure there. They all know his position is secure there. But I don't think at that time they still knew the full extent of, you know, what, dick he was sucking really sucking to keep that job uh they all thought okay he's his friend well so is scott thorson Liberace's friend <laughs> let's be honest so back to the doctor dr drew thing here um in any 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 event it was it was planned by howard and will uh this is this is complete ambush complete setup and as bad as Artie would get at this time this was the wrong day for drew to be in there because Artie was on fire he was quick he was armed and very very dangerous with in terms of his wit he was just ready he was just on yeah but this there's something funny with Artie in this period because i do remember this clearly he has a kind of a tan uh he used to look like in 2008 he looked like death warmed up he mm-hmm. was gray and sweaty and nodding off. Now he, he's got a tan and he is shot out of a cannon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no nodding off. And he's, I think this certainly uh, does morph into a very, or a horrible period where he just was stepping over everyone. Yeah. But he's not quite got there at this point. Or, or at least for this day he wasn't quite doing that. And in this interview, he picked his spots 
like like a jazz yeah. musician so perfectly. Yeah. And Drew, you could see Drew getting flustered eventually. <laughs> that was my favorite point. <laughs> but the, yeah, the best thing about this video is he was actually like Artie was actually being hysterically funny at points. He was, but you could see Artie goes through a few phases. He at the start he's just gentle ribbing. Then oh, yeah. when they when when it gets to a point where they start to ignore him and pretend he's not in the room, and even when he's talking, they just they just stare straight at each other and ignore him. Then Artie starts to get angry, and mm -hmm. it just starts to get a bit more, a little bit uncomfortable. Still funny, but he yeah. he's definitely angry. He's pissed. Now let's put you, let's let's do a little because the, we always do this before a show. What if you put yourself in Artie's shoes, okay? And this is really tough to do. Um, how do you feel about the whole thing? It, it, it's post bro fight, so maybe you don't feel. I don't know. How do you feel? Uh, how do I feel about about Howard, or how do I feel about this this situation, the job, and do you feel like you know this is pandering? It's more exploitation, you know, like going in to have the the you know the excuse to get Doctor Drew in as some kind of well, maybe this will help Artie. I don't doubt that there's behind the scenes, some of them might have thought that, but I don't think. Howard gave a fuck whether it was going to help Artie or not. They just wanted confrontation, something that might actually be provocative for the show and that they could air. Well, everyone in this, all the players in this have two motives, right? There's the public and the private. Howard's public mo motive is the same when he got the fat chick on for the, for the, which is, I'm just trying to help, help my out. buddy. Yeah, yeah. And with this, he's like, I'm just trying to help you. But no, ultimately it's an ambush and he wants Dr. Drew to come in and maybe poke some, because he has that expertise, really kind of get Artie banged to rights in terms of telling lies and not being truthful. And then mm -hmm. with Drew, he he has two motives as well. Yep. He wants to go in he's, and he's going to publicly say, I'm an addiction specialist. I want to help Artie. But ultimately, he is a star fucker. And that's my yep. opinion of him. And I've always thought that. And he sure. just wants to get in there and... He wants his name. He likes being on the radio. He likes being on TV. But I think there's a, there's also another element here where he wants to ingratiate himself with Howard. And there's a few points in this video where you can see where he looks at Howard. His eyes widen and he's really zoning in on Howard, trying to trying to impress him. Well, we know that he before was a Howard fan. That's yeah. that's one thing that's working against him. The other thing is, and I didn't know he had had this. You pointed out that he made it a, a, a Stern Show retrospective podcast. What was it called again? The Howard Vortex. Howard, <laughs> there's six episodes, and yeah. I think it's on his website. And there may be still, I think they're still available. I tried to listen to some of it, and it was horrendous. It was horrendous. It was he asked the tough questions like, "Why is Howard such a genius?" There's the type of questions he would ask. <laughs> Uh, it was awful. And it was clearly a, something that he did for a specific reason, whether it be, I want to get a show on Sirius. I want to get a, you know, I want to go out to the Hamptons or I, who knows? Yeah. But I think that with this guy, Drew, I, you know, I, 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 and I don't have any evidence of, of some of these things, but it's just an instinct I have that throughout his whole career, there are questions there's there's real questions i would have around his ethics and ethical behavior especially like the hippocratic oath he he put that thing through a fucking shredder when he made that show he really did he really did yeah well the okay so he does so he's in to promote this thing called uh sobriety house i believe and um, they, this is the infamous, like, uh, Stephen Adler was in there, uh, Jeff Conway, who had been on the show the previous year, I believe. 
uh, and was clearly fucked up. And not on the show, but he was clearly his, his brain had been addled and turned to mush over however many years of uh, abuse. And then he lists some of the people that are on like Tawny Katane from the White Snake video, you know, two tools. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. And uh, Artie's like, I- I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to join this <laughs> shit. And then year, like, what is it like a month later? Artie says he gets an offer. He's got an offer to do Sober House or with uh, with Dr. Drew. And I, I, Artie's points are well taken. We're going to play this. We're going to play the wrap up show. And, uh, it's going to be a couple of episodes at least guys. So bear with us. Uh, I think you remember how much he was offered for that. I think he, he, the number he had, he said he wasn't, wasn't, I I think he said a quarter million. I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's in my head. There was 300, 300 K that's, 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 that sounds about right. And for a reality show, that's quite a lot actually for one individual player, even (laughs) if it is. You know, already. Yeah. So, so I think the point that I already made was that someone like the bass player from Alice in Chains, who didn't even play on Dirt, he got yeah. like fifty. Yeah. So there was a scale of of yeah. you know how much they cared about your treatment. Basically. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and and really and and I found it distasteful and disgusting. And I at the time I remember specifically thinking less. Uh, I thought I thought anybody who wants to be a TV doctor, first of all, you don't take them seriously that seriously, unless it's let's say uh, sex with Sue, Doctor Sue Johansson, who's fantastic. She's an old old lady that teaches sex education on. It was on. I'm pretty sure it's Canadian TV, and um, it's it's not. It's very matter of factly, and she's not a bit ashamed about it. There's no German accent to mock her with, and. Uh, that's a different kind of thing. But the Dr. Drews, the Dr. Laura's, the Dr. Phil's, they all have their set of just sleaze emanating from them. And uh, again, Drew's no different. So you guys are going to hear it all from, from the horse's mouth. Dr. Drew. Hey, guys. How are Good you? morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? It's 3 in the morning Pacific time. It's awesome. A little early for you, huh? Yeah, it's good, though. So what brings you down to the show today? Invited. Invited. What are you going to talk about? Uh, the new celebrity a, rehab? Slip, uh, sober house, yeah. And I hear I'm going to rescue uh, Artie. Oh, you're going to help him out today? Uh, I think so. He's open to it. Yeah, he needs the help, man. <laughs> All right, we'll see you in there. Okay, excellent. Hey, uh, you know who's here? Dr. Drew. I love this guy. I love that TV show, Celebrity Rehab. And now they got Sober House, which I can't wait for. Sober House starts, I think, this week. Yeah, yeah. they got to have some screw-ups uh, in Sober House, I right? can't wait for him to exploit more uh, people with problems. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we know Artie's motive is to fucking just get out of Dodge and just like really just hammer away at this. But I agree with him in this in this situation. 100%. Um, and he is, I don't think Drew's even walked into the studio yet. No, he hasn't. he's already, so Artie knows what's happening. He's he's the smartest guy in the room and he knows yes. exactly what's happening. Oh yeah. And the other thing is, um, and you'll hear some of it on the wrap up show. Uh, 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 Len's already heard, uh, some of the, uh, the, did you listen to the entire wrap up show? I did. Okay, so there's loads in there to unpack as well. Now, here's <laughs> the funny thing that I'm thinking about is, okay, Howard gets the name of the show wrong, as I just did, Sobriety House. It's called Sober House. So it, this is a horrible uh, pre-production, pre-promotion uh, you know, already. But think about this. What is the central tenet of AA, for example? Whether it's NA or NAA, the A part, anonymous. You're not supposed to know people are in it. So doing rehabs, doing this kind of, in, you know, uh, treatment, but in full view of the public, how is that, do- how's that going to do anything to your psyche? 
Well, this is the this is the 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 core issue with with celebrity rehab and this show is that it, it, if you look at the 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 aim that Drew talks about, which is to help people and to help people through recovery, that's right. fine, and that's what he'll say. But the real aim of the show, and the reason why he was tapped up to do it, was to make entertaining television, get ratings, make money. That's the primary aim. Now, Bingo. these these two aims are not. They don't work together. They're not, you know, one aim, if one aim is to succeed, the mm-hmm. other will have to fail. And they, you know, so if you want to have a successful program, if you want to have a successful treatment, you're not going to want, uh, you know, a, a lesser known Baldwin getting into a physical altercation <laughs> with the fucking keyboard player from Night Ranger or whatever it is. <laughs> like That's surely not the optimal uh, environment. But then again, if you want to have a, a nice and quiet, nice quiet environment where, where there's no fighting, there's no tears, no one's going to be watching. No one's going to be watching. Yeah. So you can't have the two together. So no. this this is the core issue. This is the core issue with with uh, with the ethic the ethics around celebrity rehab because it's ultimately this is for rubberneckers. This is yeah. for and we all we're, we all do it. Yeah. We all want to look at a train wreck. Sure. You know, we don't care whether Mike Stars gets over his issues. You really don't. And right, anyone or Steven, or Steven they, Adler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's 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 be honest. Like the, with the roadie for you know uh, chainsaw kittens, I don't care if he gets sober. Already has uh, got some humanity to him because of how we know him through the show, and he's laid everything out there. He was an open wound on the show his entire time, and he was lovable. He was, you know, funny. He was witty. He was uh, everything. He could also be frustrating. And for him, I'm, I'm certain. Listen, he's not ready at this point. He's just not going to go to any rehab, be it celebrity rehab, uh, you know, uh, Hong Kong rehab. It doesn't matter where the rehab is. He's not going. He's just not into it, and he refuses to accept that he has a problem. Sure. And he also, he also can't get off this. He can't get off this, this wagon, this, uh, sorry, hamster wheel, which is the Stern show and the money that he's making by going on doing gigs. And if he, the, the problem is if you're successfully making it to gigs and going to work and not getting in trouble and not seeing any, you know, negative ramifications, why stop? Sure. Exactly. And he knows how big a draw he is to the show as well. That's he knows how popular he is. Mm-hmm. I think another issue here is that if you look at a traditional rehab situation where someone goes into rehab, it's usually via an intervention. And it's usually yeah. what love, you know, love family members sitting someone down and saying, look, this has gone too far. We will support you. We love you. We want you back. And and there's a surrender there. That's that's, you know, that's a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't headhunt a celebrity and say, do you want 300 grand? <laughs> because the problem is this person could may well need the money. So suddenly they're going into rehab for what? To get clean or to get money or to get, you know, they want a, a boost for their career, perhaps. Or so Right. Again, and then he, this is another he, issue. Well, Drew Drew's trying to vacillate between that. He's saying, look, they're going to get better help than they would if they just did nothing. But they'll also see, feel that they're in the business again. Like this is going to motivate them to do, you know, it, it's it's like um, putting a, a record contract in front of Steven Adler's face and saying at the end of the sobriety thing is a deal to make a, an EP with, you know, fucking Bob Rock in 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 Vancouver. So just stay sober and you can record your shit fucking songs on your ukulele, Stephen. But that's what's waiting for you. And um, Artie sees through it all because, number one, he's working for the worst exploiter on the planet. 
in terms of the entertainment business? Well, Stern is 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 so adept. He's, he's such a natural explorer. He doesn't even know when he's doing it. Sometimes it's just it's just in his very nature. His very being is to manipulate and guilt and gaslight and do all these things to people. Certainly, yep. Hey, I love Doctor Drew's television. Here's the exploiter. Hey, Doctor Drew. Here's the exploiter. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Already didn't like you. I realized that. Doctor Drew, what kind of jacket is that you're wearing? Doctor Drew, overcoat. I don't like your overcoat. He's got a Doctor Tweed jacket. You know why I don't like your overcoat? Because it's I I try to buy one of those. Your mic's on your thing there. Got it. Like in football. All right. Uh, hey, Dr. Drew, hey, great guys. to see Howard, you. Nice to have your birthday. Thank you. Uh, don't start oh. analyzing everybody in here. He's our big birthday <laughs> guest, Howard. We got for you. Dr. Drew, how old are you? 50. I have to think about it. I'm five years older than you. I'm 55. You look great. But you're all gray. I'm not. And I don't dye my hair. I, yeah, I don't either. But uh, it's... Well, you're well, gray. I'm gray. You don't. I'm gray. Yeah, right. <laughs> you dye... I don't. <laughs> it's, you, can't, you can't dye steel wool. Um <laughs> Um, so the, the, this is, I love the, uh, the little, the, uh, the, the intro. You're right. Artie's like, just, he's like, uh, what, what do you call it? He's like a, uh, um, like a mongoose just waiting for the Cobra to make the right move. Yeah. I imagine he's, I, I kind of picture him here. Even if you look at him sitting there, he's like one of those guys covered in uh, camouflage, uh, sitting, uh, waiting for the, with it, with a duck quacker in his mouth, waiting to pop the, pop the gun. Yeah. Big time. It's crazy. You know, a I doctor, think, though, should, like, at 30, dye his hair gray because he looks more sophisticated. It look a little better. Yeah. I feel I look younger than Dr. You Drew. Do. You do. I yeah, didn't I do. know that yeah, Dr. Yeah. Drew was younger than you. You know, I think, I, I think I'm aging well, but then I see some pictures of myself where I'm not aging so well. And you've 50, done drugs. 50 changes your life, right? You know Everything. Let you me know, tell I, you what happened to me. I got no goddamn energy, you know? Like, I used to be able to go hit the gym, and I, Yeah, you know. I got a little bit of that, too, you yeah. know? And and I, I have triplets. They're 16 years old, and that's what turned my hair gray. That oh first year, God. boom, gray. Oh, wow. Yeah. Are, you good, are you a good dad? I am a good dad. I, I'm very dedicated. When fact, do you have time for them with all your... You know uh... what? My it's First of all, when I was practicing medicine full-time, that was a way worse schedule than this kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is this is pretty light-lifting compared to seeing 50 patients a day. Were you a... So, uh, were you a when you, first of all, let's point out that Dr. Drew's like an MD. Not like some douchebag. Not a fake doctor. Do you have respect for psychologists? I I tend to trust MDs a little more because psychologists have it's kind of when you get into this psychotherapy thing, there's there's a lot of quasi trained people like they go to a little course or something yeah, and they hang a shingle. Like Dr. Ronnie, who came in, <laughs> Robin. <laughs> That's another one we're gonna go through. So Dr. many feel good. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, th we were talking before we uh, started recording uh, and before we settled on this episode that looking through the Dr. Drew chronology and seeing what kind of, you know, skeletons were, you know, dangling from his closet. And there's not a whole lot. Um, there's there's one check mark against him that basically he was trying to promote Wellbutrin, but he was being paid to promote Wellbutrin on behalf of the, 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 the company, the drug company. And to me, that's already a red flag. I mean, you just don't do that as a doctor. And I mean, there loads of doctors are guilty of, of overprescribing since before I was born. That's not a new thing. Yeah. Well, this is the, the, the medical industrial complex, which I suppose in America is probably the, the greatest example of it. It's the same all over the world, but there's, there's, there's issues with, uh, opioid medications and whatnot but i know even over here that that it doesn't happen anymore but there's some um, doctors in my family and it was very common for pharmaceutical companies to fly them over all expenses paid wine and dye them show them presentations on how good their medications were uh and 
that was how they did their business. And I, I don't think it's allowed anymore. I think there's a law against it, but uh, I would fucking hope so. But I'm sure there's, there's ways around it. Like a, a Rolex happens to end, end up on your front door and, uh, oh, just, you know, <laughs> but there's a Pfizer on the back of it. <laughs> <Engraving>. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little uh, suspect. And, and then more recently because of the pandemic at the beginning of the pandemic, Dr. Drew had to, record an apology for having stated at, at the early stages when you know there were videos of body bags being stacked in the streets in fucking new york city for everybody who everybody who still thinks it was a fucking hoax and like there's more than what seven hundred thousand people dead in the states over however many years because of yeah the, i think it is you yeah. know because yeah. of uh you know um comorbidities and what have you so yeah. For if it's a hoax, my God, that's a that's a long way to go to, to admit that that's a dedicated hoax is all I can say. And so he was forced to make an apology for saying it was no worse than the flu and this, that, and the other thing. And he took major, major flack online. He was it was pretty overnight almost he had to do this. Yeah, I remember he he I think he said something along the lines of it's a flu and it'll be gone in three months. Yeah. Um yeah. and I know we at the time probably we were being told yeah three three to four months mm -hmm. it'll be it'll be down to a manageable it'll just be like another uh seasonal uh pathogen mm -hmm. but uh, as we saw uh there was just wave after wave and it started to change and it started to get more evade um the vaccines you know so thankfully we are where we are now Mm -hmm. But he he didn't need to come out and call it. That's the, that was the one thing that struck me at the time. He, he, no wanted, really he was knew. on he, he was on TV doing it. That was the whole thing. It wasn't on his podcast or he was on a, a program and he was asked the question. He just said I, he should have said simply, I'm going to wait a little bit before I can offer a, a really learned opinion. Yeah, but he couldn't wants, do it. He wants, he wants to be on. He wants to be front and center. He wants to get the headlines. <laughs> he wants to That's put true. all of his money on black. <laughs> 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 Just spin. Anyway, um, so this is, and I think I'm sure Robin's in on this as well. Uh, I'm sure everybody in the fucking vicinity is in on it, except for Hardy. But then Hardy goes on the wrap up show and says, "I caught Will and, and Robin and Howard trying to, you know, act secretive about this whole thing." So once he knew that this is much like the John K. Uh, Billy West thing. Once he saw jo John Kay in studio, he knew the fix. The fix was in, and all of a sudden, oh, this is sandbagging, and I know how to treat this because Billy West was like you said, the way Artie is the smartest person in the room here. Billy was at that time. Yeah, and I think Artie realized there's no way out of this other than try to be funny and yep. just try to rip the piss out of Drew, which is what he does quite well. Oh, yes, absolutely. Doctor psychologist is a, or psychiatrist is a great psychiatrist either. You're both right. I go to a doc, I go to an MD. Yeah, yep. but you go to one guy. Yeah. Here's the way, how much did you see? Yeah. Huh? 20 guys? More than, how <laughs> many guys? Saying, no, 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 that's no, one no, guy who happens to be good. Oh, one guy's one good. Guy. The, the, yeah. Really, the physicians, you know, we're more highly trained and there's right. a certain standard we're held to. But there is a, we sort of medicalize things. And so, and so a great way to approach is you go to a physician to get an evaluation, get a formal diagnosis, and then a plan. And then you find somebody good sometimes in addition to the MD to execute the plan. But isn't part and, of the standard you're held to not to exploit people on television? <laughs> <laughs> you look at him laughing. He knows, look at him. Well, he's waiting for him to step in it, and he has to step in it all the time in order to make 
his own bullshit seem normal. Like to normalize yeah, so- yeah. sober house, he has to treat it as though it's a legit thing. Like people all over the world are doing this. Yeah, we're just you know? yeah, we're just probably the leaders. We're 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 leading the way for everyone else. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, if you like you get your sobriety happy meal soon. <laughs> like it's all gonna be it's all gonna be, you know, like chain restaurants all over the world. Dr. Drew, come and see Dr. Drew, the credit psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh, an, almost like a cult. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, Hippocrates me, didn't know anything did you, about that. Aren't you that. trying to get Artie on your show? I, okay. I got to tell something. I'm a get. This guy's getting, this guy had a guy on his show last time uh, called, a, <laughs> didn't that chick just happen to watch American Idol a couple of times? <laughs> Nikki, Nikki, I got to say, I, I read your book on the you way did. out here. I read your book. Do you book want me to and, sign it for oh, you? Oh, man. I do want you to sign And Artie, I, I am so sorry about your dad. I mean, that was okay. just a breathtaking story. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I really, I was, Thank I, mean, you. I mean, it was, took, it took my, not disturbing, just, just. Um, it's such, it's upsetting i'm sorry oh, i mean it's just you. just like wow so, this, he's, he's all showbiz now now he's gonna kiss my ass to get me on the show. no <laughs> <laughs> listen Artie was no dummy and this kind of just cements it you know i mean he might have been a dummy about his own foibles and his own addictions but addiction is 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 not about intelligence it's about want it's about chemical imbalances um yeah. and it's about obviously you know emotional issues not about your smarts and certainly not about street smarts. And and, and as, look at Drew getting up on the couch, hand on his heart. You know, like it's a full performance with this asshole. It really is. <laughs> he's doing he's doing Macbeth in Stratford. <laughs> yeah, look at him. <laughs> he looks like he's singing "My Heart Will Go On." All right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well drew drew puts on like he like i said he's gonna put on his dancing shoes for a while here and and, and yeah. listen I, on some level i don't believe he's a complete fraud in terms of wanting to actually no. see people be better i don't think he's a complete black-hearted ogre but at the same time it's it's just like um uh you know there's that old joke it was gary mule deer i think came up with it but then robin williams stole it and it was a bit the bit goes something like uh suicide hotline hold please you know that was a one-liner yeah, yeah. you know that kind of you know, that, that kind of thing like we're gonna treat it as seriously as uh you know as a box of m&ms and what so, did Artie say Artie's joke was i don't have a drug problem until i run out of money then it's just right. or you know it's, what that oh, yeah, is, what yeah, is it? i have uh, the problem is finding the drugs yeah. <laughs> or that was, I think that was a Hunter S. Thompson. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't have a drug problem. The problem I have is finding the drugs. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I don't know, like, I mean, it, it's, um, we'll go through more of the audio and, and the video and let you guys judge for yourselves. But uh, as we get a little further through, as bad as we know already was in, in, uh, in his drug addiction, I don't think he was wrong here. Yeah, I'm not going to get to you. One second, though. Yeah, you said get the book, I though, mean, right? It, You'd recommend the book. He bought I it. I recommended the book. I will not give it to anybody, as you, as your afterward says. <laughs> and I, oh, you read was, the whole book. I read the whole book. Can I ask book. you a question, though? So were you in a college? Were you a psychiatry major? No, 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 no. I was. Uh, I went to Amherst College up here, you know, right. out here, and uh, went to biology major, going to medical school. I didn't know I was going to – I didn't know I was going to work in mental health even. I mean, I was – I was even after I finished training, I was an internist. I taught internal medicine. 
And I ended up uh, running a department of medicine at a psychiatric hospital. Oh. And where are all the sick medical patients? Well, the drug addicts are all the sick medical patients. And that's how you got involved with And this. I got involved. That, that was in the, you know, 20 years ago. All right. What do you, do you think Artie is making a legitimate claim? Are you taking advantage of sick people by putting them on TV? I, don't, I, I love it, so well, I don't care who you I, take advantage of. Well, you got it. it, it, it <laughs> I mean, me, I'll take advantage of any. It, it, Let's it, let the two exploiters well, talk. Howard's right, and so is Artie. Yeah. Yeah. He says, I love it. Hear what Howard said. He said, I love it. I love it. I don't care. Yeah. Of course he doesn't just, care. Yeah. yeah. But he'll change his tune later on when he has to change tack and, and, and come at Artie from another angle. Yeah. The uh, the sympathetic uh, ha- ha- heart yeah. in hand, Howard, a black yeah. heart in yeah. hand. Yeah. Joe isn't taking advantage of sick people. Well, yeah, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, it, it has the potential to be. There's for sure. Right. And, I, and we I had to really think this through a lot. And A, they get good treatment. True. B, it motivates people who are only sort of contemplative to actually get treatment and get good treatment. Once they're in, the cameras seem to hold them accountable, so they stay in treatment, not just leave after so nine days. The <laughs> and, and and then and then once they've uh, once they've engaged, they want to be an example for other people. So, you not not knowing this ahead of time, you could say, well, you might have exploited somebody. I might have. I mean, it was it was a risky spot, right. but I sort of trusted my own ability to give them good care. And the outcomes have been very very good for people who really yeah, might so, not have gotten care yeah, of So it's a quiet night. Be honest with me right now. It's a quiet night there. Not much going on for the cameras. Then that crazy dude goes nuts and gets on the roof. Conway? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. the other yeah, guy shifty, on the roof. Shifty. Okay, okay. He's high. He's shifty. smoking crack on the roof. Yeah. I, I don't know what, why that guy's a celebrity. I'd never heard of him before. But he, he, he <laughs> don't you, aren't you like home run, man? This is great. This guy might fall off the roof smoking crack. No, we no, might no, get no. it on TV. No, I'm, this, I'm, I mean, you promoed that. I, I watched the show religiously. They, they promoted it. That's what they, they mm. decided. Okay, that already, that's a red flag, dude. Hundred percent, hundred percent. They know what the selling point of this show is. The selling point is celebrities at their most vulnerable, at their lowest ebb. So Fucking we can up. watch. We can. We yeah. It's not. Oh, I can't wait to see Andy Dick get off booze. You know, I can't wait to see. Like that's not the the, the draw. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm disturbed because I think that I actually get some. I feel a lot better when i see video of let's see gal gadot dressed up as wonder woman going to a ch- children's hospital and you know visiting all these sick kids or cancer like teenage cancer wards that uh you know fucking um uh, johnny depp when he was still on his pirates of the caribbean gig and he would do that kind of stuff and 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 then you get the the eyewitness reports of people saying like they, he was there all day signed whatever he, they wanted he was in character the entire time that kind of shit and talk with the nurses, took pictures with everybody, whatever. You call that a PR move, but, and yeah, it is. On some level, there's a bit of PR involved. No one's that, uh, I'll still be that cynical. But I I find that as entertaining as the train wrecks sometimes. It can be. It can be very moving. Uh, I know a lot of uh, soccer players in the UK do that. Yeah. Um, and we even saw an example of how the opposite of, of what can happen with the Arsenal team uh, were signing something for a small girl and they never even looked at her face or acknowledged <laughs> it. And that totally blew up in their faces. Oh, wow. I suppose they've, they've got other things. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Well, they were. it was on Twitter, but they, they did the direct opposite, basically, of what you're talking about. They, they were ob- obliged to sign something for a small girl and they never even made eye contact with her and she was starstruck. Yeah. And they got hammered for it. Hammered. Well, so, yeah, it can, it can work both ways. You can get the you can get the PR up shop, but you can also get uh, 
Oh yeah. Day. Well, you can you can you can get the what was the one you talked about Michael Owen scoring on the thirteen year old? <laughs> yeah, and celebrating like he and won celebrating. The <laughs> and I think Neville Southall said, "Yeah, well done, Michael. He's thirteen. He yeah. Clearly hated him." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the 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 um, PR is a is a, as you said, it is a dangerous game, and it's a tool to be used in the, the business. And for someone like Artie to see that, if you see that there's a promo where they're just they're focusing on the most negative aspects of the show, he's already going to go in thinking, "Fuck this, fuck you, and Doctor Drew, and fuck you, Howard, for bringing him in for this." Yeah, and even later on in this clip, I think there's a point where 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 Drew says, I think Howard says, well, what happens to so-and-so? And he goes, well, you're just going to have to tune in. And, uh, you know, he's teasing it, <laughs> teasing it. Meanwhile, he's saying this is a medical environment. we got a yeah. hospital to come in and, you know, but then he's teasing the next episode and they're sitting in a room trying to get a cliffhanger for a Friday night, you know. Yeah, we got a, we got three we got a three camera shoot in the uh, in the waiting room. <laughs> it's a great show. And look, you come over as a very nice guy and I'm sure you are but the fact is moments like that are, are when the producers and the network have to go high five each other I'm because i'm shitting bricks and you want to put on a night but let drew answer all right you're, you're right i'm sure the producers are doing a touchdown dance somewhere but i'm right. time shitting myself right. and and also i've got a staff i've got sh I had to go to the hotel room and dig the guy out. Will was in the room with right, the guy. Right, you filmed smoking. that too. I saw it. I've got well, a lot of that you didn't see. I, I got. I, I was afraid the staff was going to relapse. I right. was afraid he was going to put the these patients at jeopardy. I was afraid he was going to kill himself. Right. I mean, and there's one person responsible for everybody's safety in all of that, and that's me. And that's the part that's that's difficult. I mean, because I, I, you know, also I get very affectionately attached to these people. Even maybe there's a maybe there's a part of you. But this is now. This is psychological. Yeah, yeah. That says, uh, or maybe even a part of the patient that goes, "Hey, I want to get back on TV. I'm going to start using again, and I can get on this new season." I can keep coming back, um, like Jeff Conway. Yeah. Right. Absolutely, Jeff Conway's got a whole career from I this know. show. Yeah, and he's great. That's the yeah. saddest ending. That, that ending of him with him was so sad with the pills. That was. That I mean, was we, sad. it was so. We, the the TV didn't pick up quite how close we got to really getting him, and I. <laughs> It's just too bad. We ran out of tape. <laughs> yeah. Getting him where? In the ground or getting him clean? <laughs> I mean, okay. Like, I understand. And also, yes, I do get it, guys. People fail um, rehabs and uh, programs, drug addiction programs um, all the time, constantly. Uh, like Farley, Chris Farley, I mentioned it on the show before, went to rehab like 12 times, like a dozen yeah. times at the insistence of his management. And he never internalized the he just memorized the lingo and there was a, a period of sustained sobriety right before he fell right over the cliff whatever it was and then never righted himself he never he, i think he thought i won't hit the actual bottom and the bottom being death it happened to be that way and uh that was when we were just you and i were discussing deaths in the past of celebrity deaths that it might have actually hit us affected us in some way chris farley was one of those for me too I knew it wasn't surprising, but it was uh, very sad. Yeah, and there's often, I often find myself in a, in a sort of Wikipedia vortex where you start to look up old celebrities and you, you find out these things about how they died. And who was the guy from the movie Network with the actor William Holden? Was that his name? That's right. He had a few too many and banged his head. I think you may, might have mentioned that recently, but there was all these actors like Montgomery Clift and all these people who came Brilliant to actor. really, really grim end, ends, um, especially back in that time, because there just there wasn't the knowledge and the supports to treat, no. 
you know, they were they were de- dealing out of vitamins like they were vitamin D tabs, you know. Well, yeah, look, Judy Garland was one that she comes up. She's the patron saint of QF, actually, um, just in terms of, uh, you know, sadness, the, the ratio of sadness versus talent versus uh, exploitation versus, you know, uh, we just like such a sad ending. Uh, to such a great talent and you realize like, it doesn't matter how talented you are at some point you got to be level-headed in your own mind uh in your own emotions and whatever your background your, your family life has got to be put together otherwise what good is the career what good is the fame look at philip yeah. seymour hoffman awful yeah, awful like he was and, so and, talented I, there comes a point where especially with something like heroin uh, and you'll you see tragic videos on Reddit or wherever else of parents nodding off in cars with the kids in the back, and it's just brutal stuff. Um, yeah. I suppose at least with alcoholism, there is there's a, a probably a longer tail off, and there is you know there's a functioning alcoholic. I don't think how you know a functioning heroin addict is not quite as easy to to pull off, especially with kids. Philip Seymour Hoppin, like we worried about the fact that he's got, you know, a uh, great talent that he threw away, but he also had, you know, remember he was a guy with a family and you think about them and what, how it affects them, him being gone and them not having a father anymore. Um, you and I were discussing KC. KC's back to having a podcast that's an absolute train wreck. And uh, it's no, it's no slight on him as a, as a person. It's just, he's uh, it, clearly the damage has been done or he never had that talent to begin with. It's hard to know, uh, I, because on the Stern show, he was never obviously hosting anything. He never, he was never there during the serious years where he had to host anything. Yeah. So he was only ever pitching in. But uh, from what I understand, my limited understanding is that he did have a long period of heavy alcohol abuse, and that does take its toll. Yeah. But, you know, uh, he wasn't uh, Richard Feynman before the alcohol either. You know what I mean? No, no, he so uh, I think he was IQ was 89 or s- something like that when they measured it. Um, so so I don't know, but I, I saw some clip the other day and he's talking about trans athletes and he's with some other guy and he won't let it go. And the comments are scathing and uh, he doesn't seem to have uh, uh and a uh, broadcasting instinct to keep, keep things moving and to move along and even research a topic. <laughs> it was awful. When you showed yeah. it to me, I thought it was a goof. I thought it was like, when's this from? I'm like, well, it was clearly something that they did recently. And I saw the whole interview listed and then it was pulled off most likely to keep that clip away from the public, but someone had already clipped it yeah. and then reposted it. And, uh, it's brutal. I think I showed it to Raven and she said, I couldn't even get through. It was like a toddler with uh, ADHD. It was, it was so brutal to listen to. I couldn't make it all the way. He can't, he could barely construct a sentence, which would actually indicate to me that he's probably, he's not doing great. I don't know. I don't want to speculate, but no, um, it doesn't sound, it did not sound coherent in this clip at all. Right. Um, a- and now, as we know, he's jumped aboard this stuttering John train now. Uh, just as the train is about to fall off the edge of the cliff. That's right. Uh, so I don't know what's going on there either. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I just mean to contrast it with like when Artie did come back during the pandemic, early bits of the pandemic, with it, he came back and started doing a show. And when he was on, he was fantastic, but he was clearly nervous. And I think the drugs took away those nerves a lot of the time during his life, and he got too used to it. And then it's like a lot of those performance, a lot of those performers are like, was it me? 
like when Richard Pryor gave up drugs, it was too difficult for him. It was like, was I funny? Was it the drugs? You know, and never quite sure of themselves. All the friends of his at the time, uh, like Robin Williams would tell him, like, he he didn't he didn't know he'd already done it. He he didn't know he had made it. He was sort of maybe it was only because of the drugs. And again, that natural instinct to be upset. Like I knew my favorite one of my favorite bands, Jesus and Mary Chain. Lead singer used to drink himself going <laughs> into every gig, like just to get over nerves. Loads do it. Puke by the side of the stage and on with the show. Oh yeah. That, that that well, that's a very common, obviously, a very common trait in performance. Performing is to is to the you know the Dutch courage, but unfortunately, it's diminishing returns because yeah. as the yeah. years go on, the drink has less of an effect and more of an effect in terms of your health. And but Artie always said he suffered from uh, anxiety, and yeah. when I heard that podcast, he just sounded catatonic. The, the last one he did. The very last, uh, one. the very when last one, not, not not the not the really speedy one that he did uh, with uh, Colin Quinn was there. He had Tim Sabian on for one episode, Lawrence Taylor for one. I think he did about five, five or ten shows like that, and he was great. He was really really good for the most part, but again, also still cutting people off, and that was nervous energy. I think tittering, you know. I I, I saw the Tim Sabian episode, and it was unlistenable or unwatchable. It's the case maybe, but that, he that just. Was, that was, that one was yeah but but that wasn't i don't think that was nervous energy i think he was high as fuck i just really think, think because so? it, well i do because in the other shows he he wasn't doing any of that and so i don't think he was medicated there i think he i think the problem with showbiz and arty is that there's just too many triggers yeah and as soon as he starts getting into that world of the, his old stand-up buddies and his old you know and he, he feels like he's on a stage again Mm-hmm. All of that is so deeply intertwined with drugs that it just sends them back to it. It sends sends them all the way back. So, yeah. No, the, I he, I think he I don't know what was going on. Like, do you remember the clip where he he met a fan when he was pumping gas? Yes, yeah, so that was the one where he, he, just, he he wanted to let that out there so people would his dealer would know where to find him. Yeah, yeah. Sad, didn't even occur. Really it didn't even occur to me, but that was him him sending a smoke signal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, send help. Unbelievable. Yeah, really, really send a packet <laughs> this way. Yeah. I'll answer your question in a second, but Conway, it really, for me, it distilled down. I finally realized that the reason I couldn't get anywhere with him is he had this almost delusional fantasy that surgery is going to make him 24-year-old Kanicki again. Right. And right. anything short of that, I want to die. Right. And it was just like, no, Jeff, no. And then Vicky, we had her set up. We had separated her from it. She was going to live. She was actually doing pretty well in treatment. Right. And then the whole thing just kind of caved back in. Well. Like so he'll be but, on next season. No, no, I'm done. I'm, no, I'm, you're, done. I'm done. You're done. Yeah, I'm done. I love Jeff. Done. God bless. Go with God. We, I, I'm we done. ringed out the ratings no, from him. Let him um, die. But, <laughs> <laughs> The timing of that. He knew how much time he had to work with it. He knew what he was going to say, and he got it out perfectly. Perfectly. Like a smart bomb, dude. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> Who are we bringing back, then? <laughs> but I, I don't I don't get involved with any of that. I, I can't Robert be. Downey, fall off the wagon. You'll be absolutely... Since Artie seems to have a bug... He does. I'm having trouble. Wait a minute. I'm having trouble getting into the Two questions. Wait a minute. I just have to say, I agree with Artie in the sense that there was the 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 video of him in the car. Now, he's not in treatment. He's in the car, smoking and using, and they keep the cameras rolling. Rolling. Yeah, yeah, but remember, I have nothing to do with it. I don't even know. Fuck you.
you can decide we're cutting that yeah. out of the fucking show. If you're the executive producer, you're the sh- not the showrunner, but you're the one that decides this is what I don't want on there. You have the clout to cut things out of that. But this is what Drew will do repeatedly in, uh, during this clip. Yeah. When it suits him, he's only the doctor. Hey, look, I'm just here. I'm just doing a job here. I don't know. I have no control over that. Right. It's a bit like, it's, say if I I started up a meth lab and I started making a huge amount of meth and then selling it off, you know, putting it out in the street and go, well, look, it's not up to me what happens out in the street. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's being used. I assume all my customers are healthy, happy and, you know, well adjusted. Yeah, functional. He, he, he's totally, washed, uh, you know, washed his hands of it there. Of he's saying, oh, but look, it's not my, not my responsibility. It's your show. Your name is on the fucking title card. You know what and I mean? Look, and look who he's talking to. Look who he's being interviewed by. Oh, I, I'm not your boss. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't sign your paychecks. That's serious. Oh, you know, yeah. I, listen, yeah. you, you work for the Howard Stern show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. which is it? When it comes to money, I'm not your boss. Everything else, I'm your boss. Yeah. When Howard says, I've no control over the hiring and firing. And then he says, there's audio you have somewhere of him saying, uh, I don't like firing people. I get other people to do it. You yeah. Know, I want to be the nice guy, but I get other people to do it. Absolutely. And that's, that's a major part of the business. I get it. But next time, don't have that audio out there, shithead. And so Drew busted that's going on at the time right and and but you could argue that i should know or maybe those people somehow represent me and what if he had done something more serious what's my responsibility look, there's there? two ways to look at it yeah. you can look at it that it's complete exploitation it doesn't help the patient or you can look at it like this millions of people see the show they get inspired perhaps to do something about their own problems right and they well, you could hope that they could hope that but, but and I, it does help the patients too right and and perhaps how many people have actually stayed off drugs from being on celebrity rehab um <laughs> uh, you don't have to sort of count it up it's a uh, was tony katane was tony katane using when she came on the show yeah she was yeah a lot i wasn't clear really? on that. i know and, and that that her how she sort of came in was more like gary the, oh that didn't come off on tv did gary and, Busey was gary Busey using drugs at the time yeah he was and he yeah. just couldn't admit it yeah, I love that Gary Busey appearance when he got Howard in the headlock and we got to see the big ring of wig, like the the yeah. uh, the plugs in his head. I, I I assume he never appeared after that. That was the never, last. never once. <laughs> I believe Gary Garver nabbed him for um, like some questions on the street, but that was about it. That was, I think, one of the ones where he said, uh, um, "Are you? How do you feel about the situation in Kosovo?" And he goes, well, it's tragic. And he goes, can you tell us what's happening in Kosovo? <laughs> I love those questions. <laughs> he asked them for details. Yeah, they were, they were great questions. He had some, or, uh, my favorite Gary Garver questions were the, do you miss the spotlight? Do you miss the limelight? That's and he said it to, that's a, he said <laughs> it to one guy from, some actor from the Living Daylights, and the guy got really angry with him. I believe I can't yeah. remember, the, the bad guy in the Living Daylights, he said, who the fuck are you? He just, yeah. Shot I, I would, my, my favorite was he did, he went are you a friend of islam <laughs> no no sorry are you a friend of israel <laughs> as if israel was a person <laughs> <laughs> anyway um so yeah gary Busey was on this and gary Busey he um went off his tweet his twitter i don't know if he's still it's still active uh but uh and he's still alive, isn't he, Gary Busey? He is, yeah. 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 He had a, a metal plate <laughs> implanted in his head, I think. Uh, and he had some serious uh, wet brain or just just general damage uh, done to his head. Um, and he became one of those kind of like um, culty type 
uh, persons and his Twitter especially was all about aphorisms or, you know, um, you know, affirmations and uh, how to improve your life. But it made no sense on the Nick and Artie show. They started reading some of the tweets in all earnesty and it was funny as shit. Um, anyway, he was on that show and I never did see the show. There probably, uh, there might be a way to see it online, like streaming somewhere, but I, I never did watch it. Did you at it's the time? Rehab. I did yeah. watch it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I watched a few episodes. I remember seeing, I remember seeing one of the Baldwin brothers. I remember seeing, um, I remember seeing Mike Starr from Alice in Chains. Yeah. Who sadly passed away. And then, um, who else? There's a few, good few people who died. Yes. Rodney King was on it. Rodney, Rodney King, King of all people. Yeah. Lord have mercy. That's a celebrity. <laughs> I mean, like insane. known, but celebrity. It's I don't just know. Insane. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah, completely. Yeah. It, it, that, you know, he's, had, he's had a right frontal lobotomy from his surgery, from right. his, from his uh, right. injury. So he's, and, in, so he's a little out of it. And, and also the drive to use drugs is, you know, they used to treat addiction with lobotomies. Right. So he's actually had a diminished wow. diminishment of his disease. Uh-huh. And so when he woke up after his, his brain surgery, he thought, I've, I've been visited by an angel. I don't. I don't want to do drugs anymore, which right. is really interesting. It's an interesting part of his story. So, so some people have been successful yes. after going to Brigitte's celebrity. Brigitte's doing great. Brigitte uh, Nielsen is doing Nikki good. Nikki McKibben's doing good. I know you don't. Nikki McKibben is not drinking. It's, I hear she's going to meetings, not drinking. I hear. Wow, that's, that's really good. Uh, she's in Texas, so I don't have much direct contact with her. All right, Jessica so Sierra, I just gave her her one-year cake on Friday. Wow. So let yeah. me. So, so, so some people are being helped. Let me talk to you about Artie. Artie recently says he went to rehab. He went for nine days. It was not a rehab. Well, well I'm going to tell you. He went to, because Artie was just talking about this. He went so to a spa. He went to a spa. It's not a spa. It's a spa. Tell Dr. Drew where you went. I went to a place that's uh, a, what they call it a wellness center. All right. Yeah. Now they have therapists there that deal with uh, the psychological aspect of what you're going through. They have people there who are coming off a lot of different addictions, opiates, sleeping pills, booze. But they also deal with, unlike a rehab, and I've been to rehabs, believe me. Uh, unlike a rehab, they also deal with the health side of it. They're, they don't tell you, and maybe you you handle rehab different, but the rehabs I've gone to is like, look, if you need to fucking dunk a steak into mayonnaise and eat it not to do heroin, do it. <laughs> this place doesn't do that. This place deals with your health and and the the the, the, the brain part of it together. And helps you hopefully get uh, over your problems, which might be addiction, might be a, an illness. Tell them how they helped your brain. <laughs> well, no, they, they, there was a therapist there that I saw. And I what spoke did he to. say? Well, uh, he, what do you mean, what did he say? He, he, he was helping me through the history of my life. He asked me, like every other therapist I went to, he asked me uh, sure. if I went through anything traumatic in I my life. I remember the meditation where he got to picture himself free of drugs. Right, that was a meditation. That was one thing right, the guy okay. did. So that was Ar- one- Okay, now, yeah, yeah, please, please. She's got some nerve. She has some nerve critiquing this kind of creative visualization where when she's sticking, you know, uh, magnets behind her ears and coffee up her ass. I mean, really, (laughs) she has some fucking nerve. But that's Robin. Well, had had she known this is the this is the hubris of Robin. Had she known she was going to get cancer, she still would have done all the shit she did. Because in her mind, magic thinking, she was like, I'm not going to get cancer. I am not. I don't believe that future. I don't believe that palm reading. I don't believe those tea leaves. I am not getting cancer. And she would go ahead with it. Absolutely. She didn't need to be in therapy. My, my, my therapy, my therapist quit on me. 
It's her fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was cured after four sessions anyway. No kidding. One thing away, the guy already went away for and, nine And days. it got me off of heroin. The day before I left, I was on heroin. I'm still off it. It got me to detox from heroin. And uh, here I am. I got about 18, 19. Are you on Drew, marijuana Chuck, maintenance in the meantime? D- I don't do any. I, I'm anything. not. A, I'm not a pot smoker. I anything, never any, have anything else. Because no booze, nothing. Because no, no. my experience of opiates, there's only four possibilities. Right. Dead. Yeah. Using. Right. Recovering. Mm-hmm. And some kind of replacement, like Suboxone or Methadone or something. Well, what about he was on what, what about you're the, on Subutex? So. Uh, no, anymore. I'm not. Yeah. Not we, 19 days. Don't. What about early? Um, so what about early into my recovery? That's what I think I am now. I what, mean, what I haven't that? used in 19. Yeah, yeah, days. early recovery. Sure, you could be in recovery. I'm right. not saying I don't know you. I, you could be. Look, 19 days. People but, are going to laugh at that. I know it's not any time, but it, it, I swear to you, it, in 19 it, days, it, I haven't used Subutex. I haven't drank. Already, it seems to me. Right. I I don't want to. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do whatever. It, it, it's that it, it's almost like I, just reading your book. I mean, it was it, it seems like, and I only just sort of sense what's up with you. What I can't be a great writer. Your book and scared the hell out of me. No, you can be a great. You can be a great I'm, writer and comedian. Anthony Bowles is a great writer. You, you'll ever yeah. People when they're sober end up better than they thought they could be. Right. But it's almost like you want to join your dad. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And if you can't live without him, you're not going to live. You know what I mean? And and that's. You deserve a better life. You deserve a sober life. Right. And, and he would. Okay. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, this is this this is a question. I have a real broad question here. So he, he said at the start of this interview, he's an MD. He's a physician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So does he moonlight as a clinical psychiatrist in the evenings? Or, I mean, what, does he have the formal qualifications to be making a, a clinical diagnosis, a psych, you know, a a psychiatric diagnosis based on a chapter in a book that was written for entertainment. He's never spoken to Artie one to one. He does. Uh, well, does he have? Does he have the qualifications? That's all. Because I thought he was a physician or a, an MD. Okay. Well, here's the thing. There's um, first of all, there's uh, the Goldwater rule in which you're not supposed to diagnose someone uh, based someone you're not actually treating. Uh, you're not supposed to divulge. You're not supposed to. Basically, you're not supposed to divulge uh, your to give your opinion on someone else's treatment or their appearance. You know, if you're not treating them, you should keep your mouth shut. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see what he's got here. Okay, uh, career. Okay, early life. Let me just make sure of this. He is a former staff member at the Department of Chemical Dependency Services at Las Encinas Hospital in Pasadena, California, and Huntington Memorial Hospital. Um, let me see if it is. All right, here we go. After graduating from Polytechnic School in 1976, Pinsky studied biology at Amherst College. He he said that here on the video. Graduating in 1980 with a Bachelor of Science, he then attended the University of Southern California's Keck School of Medicine, graduating in 84 with a Doctor of Medicine degree. Um, but it doesn't say, uh, where was he? He So he, he was stationed in, basically he was helping recovering addicts as an MD. Yeah. But I don't think he majored in any kind of psychological, and he's not able to give psychological evaluations officially. It just seems so reckless to me. Yeah. To start, and it almost reminds me of a psychic. What a charlatan would do is to say, would you say, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I hear, your mother's here. I can hear her. Yeah, and she's saying to me, you know, like because he's almost he's messing up with he's messing with Artie's uh, memories of his own father now by starting to encroach on that without any qualifications or even being invited to do so. He's just come in there and start throwing this stuff out. Um, 
and of course this is music to Wiggy's ears because he loves all this kind of uh Freudian self-absorbed yeah. navel gazing bullshit you know so right. he loves he loves hearing all this because he can make switch it around to himself <laughs> well we covered the vice uh RD episode and that one revelation came out where Tim explained how he went to Artie's house. It was the shore house, I think. And he saw that the piece of antenna, last piece of antenna his dad put up was framed and put on Artie's wall. That was incredible. Like some yeah. kind of shrine. And I was just floored when I saw that before, like before we covered it, I saw it and wanted, I wanted to see exactly what we were going to encounter. Probably shouldn't have probably should have went through it fresh, but either way, when I saw that and heard that I was just numb. And yeah. I remember thinking that makes this more, that makes what Drew's talking about actually backs him up. But he, yeah. Drew had no way of knowing that in this instance. He's sure. only going on what he read in the book. Now, Drew may be right on this. He, he may, mm. that, that may be correct. My issue is, is it the time and place and does he have the background to, to start saying this on the air? I don't Ambush believe so, no. on the air. No, this is at this uh, point, you're a doctor of, uh, you're a doctor of medicine. You're an MD. Fine. Okay. You're a GP. Perhaps, um, you're capable of giving certain diagnoses or referring to a specialist. Uh, yeah. in this case, he should be at the very least saying, this is just my amateur take on, I'm not a psychologist, but in my opinion, exactly. and that's fine. You're saved. He doesn't do that yeah. here. Yeah. And look, we do this all the time is, you know, you'd look at somebody and say, oh, he's got this or he's got that or, you know, and, yes. and look, we all, we know we're not professionals and Howard does it all the time. But of course. the difference here is that Drew has this doctor hat on. He has the doctor, he's, he's pretty, almost got a white coat on coming in. Yeah. So it's in the, the inference is that if I make any kind of a, even off the cuff diagnosis, you better, you better believe it. Yes. Take it seriously as yeah. cancer. And, uh, in any event, I do like once the, the, once the vice thing came out, it definitely is something emotional. That's Artie's it's guilt. It's strictly guilt. He skipped yeah. out on his dad's thing and he still has this on his, on his mind, but he's already verbalized many, many times that look, your dad would not want you to be like this. He would not want you to be addicted. He hated drugs. He wasn't a drug addict. You should, you should be, you should be very proud of what you've done for your, your mother and your sister. And like someone, he needed someone in his life to really push the positive aspects of what he's been able to do for other people, charity work he's done, maybe even being like kind of a role model for certain up and coming standups. I don't know who that would be, but you never know. Lots of people were inspired by him. And, um, he did great work for Lifebeat. Every bite fights AIDS. <laughs> oh man! So, bottom line is, he 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 needed more people in his life that were positive minded, and he just didn't. And hanging around doing stand up gigs with the like just dirt bags. I'm not even talking people like Atel who are just you know they're just chain smokers, but. Jim Norton, people like that, um, you know, Bob Levy, Shuley, like just bottom feeders. You, if you hang out with a better class of person, you know, you might start, some things might start rubbing off on you and you get some of the better traits perhaps. I think Bob, I, I think Bob Levy is, I, I, I've been watching some of these shows recently. I do think Bob is a decent, he does have a moral, strong Comp moral compass. compass. Yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, look, it's, it's not a pretty scene when you start getting into those low, those bottom rung comics, you know, because there's so much desperation and a lot of psychological issues there. And, and they're all kind of dry drunks, I think, at this point. Yes. 
and uh, and so already doing you know doing also stand up for some of these maniacs back in the day who just wanted to see him drink and be Amy Winehouse. Uh, hopefully like maybe this is the day where she fucking just doesn't wake up. Artie's going to be the same. Maybe we want to go see the train wreck. That's, and Norm was the first to, ad- one of the first to address it on the air. Like you promo, you said, you know, he, he went after through the CD at Teddy or whatever. And, uh, or so through, sorry, he went after Teddy and you promoted the hell out of it. Why? Yeah. You know, 100%. if you really cared yeah. about him, why would you even ask Artie? Oh, is it okay if we air this thing? One, if you really care about it, to make the executive decisions, say we're keeping that off the air, and we're yeah, going to tell and, them. And, uh, yeah, the, and, and they, they brought a bed into the studio so we could sleep in a heroin coma, playing uh, nursery Pricks. rhymes. Yeah, Pricks. laughing at them. Yeah, and so that's what we're talking about, guys. When you talk about enabling, I mean, Christ, it was just, uh, and we're like we, again, Artie is a, he is responsible for his own addictions, but it doesn't mean you have to say. Well, if he's fine with it, then I'm fine with it. Exactly. You know, exactly. Would want that personal and responsibility. It seems like you idealize yeah. him so much uh-huh. that he can't be the real guy he was with you. And you won't let go of the idealized image. And that's either pulling you towards death mm-hmm. or keeping you on heroin. Mm-hmm. You know well, what I'm saying? Uh, you it know, makes a lot of sense. It does make sense. But. And, 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 it's, I, and look, and, I don't and it's have so a great... painful. It's so painful. Right. I know it's all like you can't live with it. I get it. Right. But you got to. And he would want you to. Right. Well, I mean, he wasn't uh, a, a, a user at all. Uh, he, no, I know. He, he, I mean, he is dead, though. So by joining him, I'd have to be dead. Right. But um, and look, I don't have a good answer for that, that anyone would believe, because since his death, I have been I, I've been longer than, you know, 11 months clean. I, I had almost a year clean once with nothing, not even an aspirin, but I relapsed. So uh, can you get that back? But, uh, look, I'm trying to. I, I, people, Who was your sponsor then? Uh, <laughs> well, that you know what? I had those 11 months after uh, a, a rehab for a couple of months. And uh, a guy in Jersey. I, I, call in, him. In those 11 months. Call, call him. He's dead. <laughs> he's dead. Already killed. No, no, no. He didn't die of drugs. He, he was an older guy. He was a fireman, actually, oh, that I met man. in rehab. Real nice guy. He died of a heart attack. But oh. um it reminds me of that George Burns joke. He always used to say, like, what did your doctor say about you know, these cigarettes? My doctor's dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it true you, you drink five martinis a day? It's true. Do you smoke, you know, six cigars a day? It's true. What did your doctor say? He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe like, this story that Artie's telling here? About the which sponsor one? And the, the one about the sponsor and the uh, died of a heart oh. attack and... Oh, I believe it. Yeah, actually, because yeah. there's no reason for him to lie about that aspect no. of it because it's a guy that no one in the show knows. And if it was an older guy, yeah, the you know the law of averages would indicate that uh, you know damage you do, and all of a sudden you're 65, let's yeah. say, and boom, there's a heart attack. People die for yeah. way younger than that. Look at Mark Vivian Foyer, man. Oh, it's awful. But I think yeah. when you go back a little bit there in the clip when Artie was talking about the wellness center, he, yeah, there's a bit of fumfering there. He he repeated the question that Robin asked because he wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I think this, that's all bullshit, to be honest. Oh, what about him going to the wellness center? When he started to talk about yeah, the cycle, I had a therapist and I had this. I think he may have done, but I don't think he he he. he the way he explains it, he doesn't seem to know. Doesn't seem to be very clear on what happened, and he's very probably he's probably nervous because he knows that Drew's probably going to bust him. Well, Brad Garrett certainly did that one time, and that was extraordinary yeah. video. Yeah, it really was. When he called him out for lying, and uh, it wasn't even looking at him. 
Mm-hmm. And he just from his voice, he literally just took snapped it out of the air. And one might think that Garrett was just fucking with him just to fuck with him, you know, like to be a, a Rickles type of thing, because he kind of took on Rickles mantle and, and did very well. Actually, I, I got to say, uh, yeah. I think Brad, Brad Garrett's uh, seems like a really a straight shooter and a nice guy. Um, and he and actually that show till death that he had that was on for about four seasons, whatever, was actually yeah. quite funny. I liked it a lot. It was dark mm. as fuck. I really, really did like it. And um, uh, Artie was, um, I remember one time he goes, uh, they're asking him, what's your, what's your psychiatrist like? And Artie goes, uh, well, he's old. Um, he's got yeah, glasses. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. you know, wears a suit. And he goes, I'm describing every psychiatrist I've yeah. seen in every movie ever. <laughs> yeah, he's an old you guy. Know. He's gray yeah. hair. He's- yeah. Older, yeah, older, distinguished, you know, he's got a quiet office, you know, uh, you know, like, and he's, he, like, I'm sure he, he did, they, he gave them lip service at this place and just went for the fuck of it and just to clean out because there's, I, I did know people like this when I was um, in university who it wasn't as severe, but they would binge, 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 and then they do like, not sober November, like a lot of jerk offs do these days, but he would go, like 10 days, not drinking anything, doing the vegan stuff, just going full on health exercise, whatever, then binge again for like about a week. Yeah. I don't, and I, don't I think that's probably worse for the body than I think so. I, I think, I, I don't know that, uh, you know, two beers a day all the time is better than 10 beers in one night. Uh, I, th- I think it's all probably bad for you, but, um, yeah. You know, but you know, if you had to choose one or the other, I'm not sure which one is best, but probably not good to give your body such a big hurdle to jump over. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're running a car foot to the floor for a week and then leaving it for a month and not using it and then taking it out for another week and foot to the floor, you know? <laughs> yeah. As Doing opposed to, to the just, body can't be good. As opposed to putting the cruise control on 30 and just going down the highway yeah. at a very slow yeah. pace, no brakes. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough thing. So, but in terms of him being a bullshit artist, he's a gifted one, but, uh, yeah, I, I he heard is. the thumpering as well. I, uh, look at the time I was clean for those 11 months, I was living in LA most of the time. And mm. I only went to about three or four meetings in that time. And but you I, had the sponsor though. I had a sponsor in New Jersey. But still, you had that regular. I, yeah. He was a guy, he was a guy I could call. You, you, you got to fill that with somebody. Would you, you consider? Fill- oh, would, sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Would you consider being on antidepressants fully clean? Yeah, you would. Okay, oh, well sure. then, because I was on antidepressants. Oh, for sure. I mean, the medicines. You know, not taking the medicines is like not giving you insulin for diabetics. I mean, there, I mean, people do shit to their brains these days where they're going to be impaired psychiatrically, and if right. you don't treat them, I mean, we make. So you're a big proponent of antidepressants. I'm not a big proponent, but listen, we got to make recovery possible. Right. You know what I mean? If you have a psychiatric illness that we don't treat, recovery is not possible. Right. Well, I had I was on Paxil for probably about four months, Good. and then I I, we'll get, I got. We'll see Howard's guy. <laughs> See, this is the thing. I, I'm, this is the thing I wrestle with. I don't believe Drew is a bad person. I do believe he's actually listening carefully, and he's actually saying, "Look, I, I we can't be. Uh, it's not all or nothing. Some people have to be on marijuana maintenance to stay sober." Yeah. Artie, I believe, was smoking. He went back to smoking regular cigarettes as a coping mechanism for being clean. Like he needed some badness in him, so he's going to smoke Marlboro Marlboro Reds. Yeah, uh, I don't think a doctor would say that was fantastic for someone with type two diabetes and someone in his physical shape and what damage he's done to his body. But they'd say it's way better than him doing, you know, going for opioids or drinking. And look, and we all have different personalities. Some people just go cold turkey and that is it. 
Mm-hmm. And they have to just, and they can't even, like, I know a guy who, in order to quit cigarettes, had to quit coffee as well, because the coffee was a trigger Yeah, for the cigarettes. So he had to quit coffee as well, and he ended up drinking Coca-Cola, and that brought up uh, a whole host of other problems around weight. But, like, this is what happens with certain people. They can just say, I'm going to leave that, I'm going to take that. Um and other people will, if they quit something, they'll substitute it with chocolate or they'll substitute it with whatever. And So there's no hard and fast rule. I agree with you. I, look, I don't think Drew is not a good uh, uh, practitioner. I, I think he's a good, he's, he's no doubt has a lot of experience with um, addictive substances and addiction. Yeah. And But that doesn't, he, he can also be um, a star fucker who, who yeah. compromises yeah. his own integrity. Yeah, uh, and his professionalism to ingratiate himself with with celebrities. So yeah. both can be true. So do you think it's really for him? It's notoriety and the but the 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 pop that comes with being famous, or a money thing, or both. I think he is attracted to famous people. I think mm-hmm. he, you know, I don't think money might might money mightn't be the the main aim. I think the way you can tell the way he looks at Howard, the way his eyes what you know, I think he's got a he loves Howard really starstruck. Does. Yeah, totally starstruck. And he wants to go out. He wants to be out in the Hamptons with a with a flute of white wine or champagne talking with Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock. And, you know, that's where he wants to be. That's just my feeling. And I could be totally wrong. Well, either way, at this timeline, can remember, guys, Dr. Ablo was Dr. Dr. Drew in the first part of Sirius. Then he kind of went by the wayside. He had about two or three appearances, I think one with Christine and Sal, one with Artie. Uh, and then one with Artie and Mike, <laughs> where he was going, I forgot about that episode. And I think that was three episodes. And then he had one or two phoners and then you never saw him again. I'm sure once he started, I think because we covered the Ablo thing a long time ago. And I think once he got his, his show rolling and his practice, whatever, he didn't need Stern. So he didn't need to come back. Yeah. There's one you forgot you left out. Riley Martin. He did a, um, did he? Oh, he with, did. with Tim Sabian. Yeah. He mediated. Tim Sabian. Oh, yeah. So he mediated two episodes from the uh, uh, when Riley uh, did personal ads when he took money privately to plug products on his show, and um, he did it repeatedly after Tim telling him. He goes, I'm on slave wages, you know, but uh, um, yeah, so Ablo ended up like did a terrible job because Howard obviously wanted to just kind of humiliate Riley and push, punish him, you know, and Riley kind of talked his way around with Ablo and yeah, it didn't go the way Howard wanted that, that whole saga. No, it didn't. Oh my goodness. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Riley from the other side. Yeah, Still alive. I gotta, I gotta love him. Good guy. <laughs> well, Howard went through the, the the trouble of getting me a, a recommendation, and uh, that name's been sitting on my desk for three, four years now. Yeah, this guy was a guy highly recommended to me through my psychiatrist, and that. <laughs> and yeah, and you're such a shining example of how it's worked for you. <laughs> you think uh, so? The guy that your psychiatrist recommended, how how much? How what kind of what kind of like endorsement, ringing endorsement, is that going to be for Artie, a guy who thinks you're full of shit? Yeah, Howard's psychiatrist called Howard from his his personal island, and you know the Caymans or whatever. Better <laughs> Imagine believe the it. amount of money he has made out of Howard. Oh, um, well, I don't know what the average uh, shrink makes in New York City, but you, it's got to be upwards of what, like hundreds of dollars, three hundred, four hundred bucks a month, uh, an hour. Oh, easily. Yeah, like Absolutely. especially if you're if and someone someone of you know the stature of seeing Howard Stern, probably like five hundred. 
yeah 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 and he's got three sessions a week 1500 you know so he's he, i i i think you're probably howard's probably paying 100 grand a year <laughs> on a retainer like there yeah, some people have lawyers a <laughs> yeah do you remember um do you remember his psychiatrist went on holiday yeah and howard you know couldn't he was like a upturned turtle he's like a baby he couldn't do anything oh oh you mean like what well, he he was absolutely incommunicado for that time he was yeah. on vacation for sure yeah i, I vaguely remember it but i weeks. gotta i gotta look through that week and find out the audio because i want to <laughs> i want to see what happened that week because he would have been like some basket case well it's already a basket case but it would be a case of uh you know doberman with muzzle doberman with a <laughs> slightly weak muzzle on you know that's yeah, the difference yeah. And, uh, but, uh, when, what was the one he's, I would want to go down to two, I have one clip where he was, I want to go down to two days a week and my psychiatrist wants me in for four. <laughs> he <laughs> has some mortgage payments. <laughs> yeah. Talk about oh man. Uh, this guy supposedly could really be a good mm-hmm. match for Artie. Yeah, uh, it's hard work. You know, you know, no, I look, I know. Sure. I, I, I listen, when I first had to go to rehab, when I went in there, uh, but why I, won't Artie go to a psychiatrist? Yeah, like, why, why isn't he? Artie continuing treatment? If he wants to stay sober, he can't stay sober. Like Dr. Drew says, you need someone to talk to. Yeah, right. without help. Well, I talk to our is it, listeners. Is it, is, it the, is it the pain? Uh, yeah, I don't like going through that. That's I don't the pain. Like, I've, yeah. tried, I've tried uh, probably a, a dozen different guys that I've gone to. Yeah. The couple, first couple of guys that Mad TV made me go to in the beginning, to me, were just... I don't know. I, they were MDs too, but they were just pu- pill pushers to me. I, no, yeah, you gotta be careful. With that. Oh, it was, but you got it. There was it, not a, not an it, ounce of compassion in the. See, way. I read Artie's book. I got really scared because I said I, I came up with the same conclusion you did. I said, you know, here here Artie blames himself for not holding the ladder for his dad that oh. day that he started college, and and that's a terrible thing to blame yourself. And it's it's, it's not Artie real. It's not his, even it's not real. It's not it's not. Of course, me, not. it's too much. It's yeah, too, it's, it's too much. And, but but it keeps you using, and so his disease takes advantage of that. You see. So in your professional opinion, even though Artie is now clean seventeen yeah. days, nineteen days. nineteen days, do you think, based on his nine day visit to this place mm-hmm. where? They gave him wheatgrass enemas. And massages. And massages. Which was a living he hell, also, by the way. And then and he also the left after seven days to go hang out at Nobu and to be at the Hotel Miami. Right, because the rooms weren't yeah, that great. Because he, he didn't like the rooms. Not not good prognostic signs. <laughs> do you think, saying. What, what, do, you, do you hold high hope here for Artie? Well, because he, he then he always tells me he's off and then he's using, but I'm going to give him a drug test this time. You should test him all the time. Yeah, we're gonna and you gotta well, see, the, see, he agrees with that. I suggest what, what kind of test? So he's suggesting it. He's saying he's going to do it. Never gets done. And that's not the place for him to be getting drug tested. No. You know. Yeah. Something's just struck me as he was speaking there. Um, you know, the the flames behind Howard who's flaming. <laughs> <laughs> Howard mentions that the, the hotel in Miami, was that the, the episode, that, uh, uh, the incident when I already called in? Yes. And, and he, 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 got, and was he gave a guy the phone room to like service. Was, yeah. yeah. He put him on the phone. Now, in, in his book, Crash and Burn, he claims that he was out of his mind. Yes. On, yeah. So that was a week before, what, a week before this? Possibly. Because he says it's after the after the two weeks he had in the wellness center, then he was in Nobu, and then he was in Miami, and now he's in the studio. So that was around Christmas time. So if, you know, look, that kind of punches a hole in a lot of what I already saying. It's all, just total, all lies. <laughs> oh, it is. It was complete bullshit. I mean, it, what, the only thing that happens here differently uh, throughout the year is he starts to lose weight. He gets a trainer. He's physically 
losing weight. Now, who knows whether that's because he's eating less and he's doing more drugs, like he's speeding, you know, who knows, but he definitely looks physically cleaner. The the Joe Buck stuff. I think maybe that's, maybe that is even late 2008, but I believe it's 2009, uh, early 2009, Joe something. Buck? Yeah. Joe Buck. When was Joe Buck? Summer, summer 2009. Okay. It's so it's about four months st- after this. He definitely four loses a shitload of weight. He gets fee- You see him on the, at the end of SNL one episode, Will Ferrell calls him out at the, you know, when they do the cast roundup season finale of, uh, uh SNL and mad TV that night, he was on both. He's at an after party. He's sober, doesn't have his phone, has to use like Jim Brewer's phone or somebody like yeah. that or Craig Gass's phone. And he's got a new girlfriend, but he's clearly still using because he's interrupting like mother, a motherfucker. And he's um, he's just not as funny. Well, he claims in his book he was doing a ton of coke in 2009. He was right back on cocaine. That makes perfect sense. Makes perfect his sense. Metab- his metabolism went through the roof. And then as you get long farther into the year, um, it's again, it's diminishing returns and it's all about tolerances and, and whatnot. And by the end, it's, it's, uh, I don't think he, according to the book, he was taking, um, like Xanax and alcohol, mixing to get, mm. mixing them together. The Which day is, that he got fired. Yeah. yeah the, or the days he was, he was fired essentially. Yeah. He, what he, he, what he claims in the book, what he used to do was, uh, stop by a store on the way to the studio and pick up, smeared off ice and put them into soda bottles and drink. He was drinking at 6 a.m. And the day and the day that he got fired, he didn't sleep at all. He was up crushing snorting pills all through the night and went straight in. And he was on he, time. He was, that was the weird thing. He was never late. Well, he was a few times, but. It, well, there's there's a Mark Marin joke. He did Marin one time and he said he remembered one specific joke Marin used to do years ago. He said the whatever, whatever kind of whatever kind of addict you are there's something about the brain that (laughs) something like i must get this car back like i must i have to be sober enough to get this car back to where like at the rental place and so it it, there's something in the um in the mind of the addict that uh, triggers responsibility of some type but not the enough of responsibility to just not take the drugs and and stay sober (laughs) but the problem with Artie is is in my my estimation is first of all he's got first of all he's got an addictive personality and shouldn't be drinking sodas shouldn't be really drinking uh, anything uh, like and mixers um like if he's got mental if he's got depression he might need to be on you know anti-anxiety medicines or antidepressants or something if he's bipolar i'd say he's bipolar Maybe not, maybe not, maybe diagnosed bipolar. Um, I, I don't know that I should be saying all that, but he's got a chemical dependency. He's got an addictive personality, emotional dependency, and a physical dependency on booze and also on alcohol and substances in general. And he's never been able to deal with the emotional side of everything, which is why he keeps turning to that shit. And let's not forget gambling addiction. He yeah. Terrible, really, really bad gambling food, addiction. Food again, addiction. Food addiction. addiction. And and I think with Artie, the gambling addiction was, and you can hear when he speaks, we talks about it. It's he's it's like a thrill seeker. Yeah. He just wants that excitement. Rush. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with addicts, a lot of addicts just can't um think beyond their addiction of of getting through everyday things without that crutch of mm-hmm. so Artie can't watch a game without having money on it. Already can't uh, do a show without doing Jaeger on stage or whatever else he, he used to do. 
Yeah, I mean, Dean Martin used to. <laughs> there's a, in, uh, I can't remember the the exact anecdote, but it's something like a lady went on stage, grabbed Dean Martin's tumbler, drank, took a swig, and said, "This is apple juice." And Dean said, "Lady, you're drunker than I am." <laughs> <laughs> I love and the so, clip of him on uh, Johnny Carson, and Johnny says, "You know, this is just, uh, you know, this is all for show." And he takes a take a sip of it, and this the, the facial expression Carson makes when he takes a sip of this. Yeah, it's almost eighty percent proof. Yeah, well, I mean, it's rocket fuel. Well, so the one thing that so Artie never ever dealt with a lot of things to to get him to the hump where he would get fully clean. But I think, as you were saying, it's the people he was surrounding himself around, most notably this show when he was on it, and knowing what he knew. And I think I think that ate at him a lot. And Sam and I discussed this that he was they were crutching on him so much, and he wasn't getting properly compensated monetarily that it bothered him. And he also thought, fuck you, if this is the way I'm going to be treated, I am going to redefile myself. And because I know how important I am, you're not going to do anything about it. So he's constantly pushing the line. And you remember he would always, if George Takei was in for the week, he would never be in on the Monday. Never, never. Cause he knew, cause it was just that, that thought in his head of, ah, look, they don't need me today. They have George. They're going to sit there. Howard's going to uh, sit there with George and inquire Talk about his shit. sex life. Yeah. Gay stuff. Yeah. For yeah. the first hour. Talk about Brad and him wrestling and camp and all every fucking story. Yeah. The same story, the war stories of, of George Decay back in the day, the uh, internment camps, every fucking story he said every oh. time he was in. I, I think that first week he was in was interesting. And then afterwards, yeah. it was completely diminishing returns. It was like, don't you have oh, anything yeah. else? The yeah. Shatner stuff was funny. Like every time they remember the engineering, the engineer tape of Shatner and ask, the engineer asking for a line read from Shatner and oh, him imitating him. That was one of the funniest clips. Welcome ever. to the 21st century. You'll be amazed <laughs> at what you hear. Yeah, it's like, well, uh, something like that, wasn't it? It was like, somebody, it, why don't we, why don't we just right now play it for the fuck of it? Because yeah, um, <laughs> we do this on the show every now and then. So this is the clip of uh, Shatner goofing on the engineer uh, that they got on there. I think, I think Takei's in studio and Artie's hearing this for the first time. I'd like to invite you to take a journey with me into the 21st century. So take the next few minutes and listen very closely. You'll be amazed at what you hear. Okay. Um, can there be a little more uh, excitement in the beginning? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. All right. It sounded like really laid, you know, really super laid back. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm saying, uh, okay, I'll, I'll try and do that. Let's do take two. <laughs> <laughs> knowing last because because i mean like shatner was such an expert at these these live reads at these at these recordings he was he had a voice really natural for narration 100 percent. not a great actor but no but uh, a great presence he could be a great actor depending on the material uh i've seen like if he was in the twilight zone back in the day and he would be doing like um i think he was also in uh, judgment at nuremberg he got to work with Spencer Tracy in that, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, right. um, and uh, he he had some acting chops. It's just that <laughs> I think Kevin Pollack said it perfectly. It's like sometimes the material wasn't so great. So you had to kind of overact your way just to get a halfway decent performance of something out of nothing. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is William Shatner, and I would like to invite you to take a journey with me into the 21st century. So take the next few minutes and listen very closely. 
Um, well, uh, speak up. Uh, uh, and and maybe you better do it, do it the way you hear it. Tell, do it for me. No, I mean just uh, go ahead. Uh, this is William Shatner, and I would like to invite you to take a journey with me into the 21st century. So take the next few minutes and listen very closely. You'll be amazed at what you hear. Is that the way you'd like me to do it? Uh, okay, uh, I'll do it that way. Okay, ready. This is William Shatner, and I would like to invite you to take a journey with me into the 21st century. So take the next few minutes and listen very closely. You'll be amazed at what you hear. Okay, so is, I think that came pretty close. Are you making fun of me? No, I'm doing... I'm, no, no, I was... I believe you asked that was about the way you did it. The guy knows his job is on the line. Yeah. It's, I, I remember, did you ever, you ever heard the uh, Wesley Crusher, the uh, Will Wheaton story about William Shatner? No. It's, uh, it's been out there on in YouTube for a long time. And I think they did make up, but when they were doing, um, I think they were filming the, one of the first movies, Generations or something that puts the old cast and the new, whatever, who's left of the new cast, three members. And he introduced himself to Shatner and Shatner said, oh, you're that kid on that, you know, the, the new one. You're like, we wouldn't have allowed kids on my bridge. Like he was all like, all of a sudden he was really Captain Kirk. And it got back to Gene Roddenberry and all the other, like the crew members, they were all like, don't worry, uh, Bill's, Bill's a fucking shithead. And they all stuck up for the kid. And uh, Gene Roddenberry told, like, he he forced an apology from uh, Shatner, and yeah. said, "You're going to write an apology, and you're going to you're going to send it to him and address you know whatever." And so he they la they later on they made up, but it was clear just Shatner's a, a notorious shithead. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, remember that joke that I already told at the I think it was it was the Shatner roast or it was one of these roasts where he said. You know, we got a lot in common. You were in TJ Hooker, and I once banged a hooker called TJ. <laughs> oh, fuck. It's the joke that he didn't play, the, that they didn't uh, submit, that they said it was uh, not going to be accepted because no jokes about the wife. And Sam Simon told it was one that Artie wrote, and he said, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bill won a, a recently won an, a, an Emmy, Emmy for Boston Legal, and I think it really means a lot to him because when it fell into a pool, he dove right in after it. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Wow. <laughs> you know, and like, obviously, you know, you just couldn't, that's, that's beyond the pale, but, yeah. um, anyway, I, I let's, I'm sorry guys for that little digression down, uh, down, down that path. We'll get back on this really briefly, but, um, we were going on a little bit about the, uh, how do we get down this, this, this path? We were just talking about shitheads in the business. We we're talking about how, um, decay. Yeah, to Kay, but uh, yes, that was it. Sorry. And to Kay being in studio, already thinking this is a night off for me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I think you're right. He There was a little of him that said, well, as long as they got another voice in there, Howard's fine. Exactly. Yeah. It's so when that I, was when, obviously in, the, in his subconscious uh, the whole weekend when yeah. he was in a, and he, he would invariably do a stand up show, I think, and come back on a Sunday and just. Put on you, comfortably numb by the Pink Floyd and and uh, he, well, not sort. only that, you, you know what he noticed a lot of the times he would miss the Monday and the Tuesday, mm. and only be in there for the Thursday or even the Wednesday, like call in sick, and then only be there half the week because 
you know, fuck decay. And then yep. he in Thursday and they said he'll be into Thursday because he's going to plug a gig he has on the weekend. And that's exactly what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. And he he would know that there'd be bookers for a gig the following weekend who'd be listening going, he's not in again. Is is everything OK? You better. So because the, the, he, he was he was making as much uh, at some of these stand up weekends. He was <sighs> making how much was the salary at Sirius? A million? Uh, no, it wasn't close. It was about close to like by the time he left three quarters of a million, possibly by the time he left. So maybe he, I, I think he said it wasn't 900. Maybe it was 900, 800 by the time he left. But didn't Gary make more? He said at one point he did. So I'm, I'm thinking it was 700 and Gary was making like 750. Okay. So incrementally more, but already he's probably thinking you're not even talent. What the fuck are you doing with that money? Yeah. And he, he showed the, uh, Showed Gary's check to uh, high pitch, high pitch air. High pitch. Oh, sorry, high pitch. No, high pitch Mike and, and Lisa G. Yeah, at John's Pizzeria. I actually visited that place in 2007. John's, unbelievable. How was it? Best pizza I've ever had in my life. Really? Yeah, I loved it. I just, and I've tried low. I just, when I went back again, 2015, I went to a few other places. They just weren't as good. No, it's very close. Very close, but. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Yeah, it was really good. I was really hungry. I remember, which probably helped when I went yeah. down. <laughs> well, the memory, the memory is enhanced by that, perhaps. Yeah, let's play yeah. a little. Let's play a little more. You're in her. Uh, you're in. You're in. Okay, but you, but you got to see penis in the cup. Yeah. No, you got to see watch Artie yeah. penis. Who's I'm watching watch me it. do that? Hey, Artie, that's me. Gary's no way, no way, Gary. You could see. You could stand in back of because, me or because he's still a heroin addict. Oh, I, 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 I really. I love you, but I don't think you're passed by in urine. Yeah, but I don't want you. Listen, you, you could stand. You, you can tell what I'm doing standing I'm in the back of me. Look at your dick, but you're right. You're <laughs> going to have to go in the corner. you got to hold his dick. got to see <laughs> dick close. in the cup. All right, well, that's got, fine. Wait, let's, let, let's hear well, what right, Dr. Okay, Drew okay, has to say but about this. Dr. Drew, <laughs> but Gary needs to but see Gary that a, Gary needs to see the cup and the penis. But you also have to see Gary. I'm not doing that. You also have to see Artie as a heroin addict. And so as such, as such, with his condition. Yeah, well, why, well, why he can't he lost. Stay, get an expert e to stand right in everything's back Everything's bullshit. I know. Yeah, everything's yeah but get it. Bullshit. And I even say to him, I go, I go, Artie, you don't have to bullshit me because but you can do does. whatever you want. But, he but he's bullshitting one thing himself. About Artie, yeah. Yeah. One thing about Artie, Dr. Drew, yeah. he shows up to work yeah. for the most part. Work is everything yeah. to him, I can he, tell. He shows up for work. He does a great job. I, I love the guy. Yes. Personally and professionally. Well, he doesn't always show up for work. So when he's yeah, really I've missed 18 days. I looked 18 this up. Days. 18 yeah. days in eight years. In eight years. Are you counting For heroin addict, that's amazing. That's amazing. Are you counting? I hate to say it, but I agree. For an, for, for an addict, that's beyond functioning. It's That's incredible. Uh, yeah. And that's I probably missed the same amount of days in eight years from work. That's that's not even two, two a year. Yeah, that's incredible. Now, yeah. here's the here's the caveat, Fillmore. I don't show up into work with Smirnoff Ice and and you know. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one thing if you're there in body, but you need to be there in in mind as well, which is another thing. Well, you know, being okay. <laughs> there was one guy I used to work with. You know, you you button up your shirt, but you miss a button. So you, you get that little loop that little hole yeah. in the top. That's a, yeah. he had that all the time and the tie never quite got the way, like he tied it up, but it didn't, he didn't get a Windsor knot. Uh, it was just sort of like, um, like Chris Farley used to do this character on SNL called relapse guy. 
And uh, he'd just tell, you know, go, they'd have an intervention. He'd say, I'll never do it again. Then he'd get fuck up a gig. There's one where there's, <laughs> there's a surgery going on in a hospital and he's the delivery guy for the organ. And they go, where's that liver? <laughs> and he comes back, he pulls out of the cooler liver from a supermarket. <laughs> they go, you sold this for drugs, didn't you? Now it's funny, but at the time we didn't know the struggle he was going through. Now it's, yeah. it's really impossible to watch because it's clearly like him just, it's, it's, it's mocking him being being a fucked up out of control alcoholic. Uh, but at the time it was really funny. And uh, this guy that I worked with had one shoe with the, the, the sole, like the bottom of the sole kind of slipping off when you would walk. He really did look like the, the principal at the end of uh, Ferris Bueller's day off who Jeffrey Jones, who got done in for yeah, like yeah. child, child born or something. Oh, right, um, man, they got the red hair. Yeah. Yeah. He got like, he looks like he's been rolled and this guy didn't last it for two years. Wow. Yeah, we I worked with a guy who was had a reputation. Um, I don't think he was a nice enough guy. He was quite he was quite uh, he's quite erratic, you know, obviously. But I, I'll never forget one day seeing him walk past me at about half nine in the morning out of the building and he had his head down. He had the baseball cap pulled down and he just this was he looked bad and he just straight out. Yeah. And uh, at about half eleven. I was out in a kind of a satellite corridor on the making a person on a personal call. And I just there's double doors behind me and these doors just boof, opened. And this guy was like, Way! like he was like a game show host. Wow. And he the hat and he was life and so high fiving people going through. And I just thought, oh, God. God, he's been gone two hours. He's been gone two hours. And we, we were right in the city center. So he had a, he had plenty of choice. Plenty of time to find an eight ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was alcohol, but well, Jesus. Okay, well then, well because the, alcohol affects people so differently. I know one guy. He, you know, we just called him Sleepy Dave because he would end up sleeping on top of the bar. Yeah, I have he, friends who do that too. Yeah, I mean that's that's way better than the alternative of you know the ones who logger louts who want to start fights, exactly, tossing yeah. tossing pint glasses off a balcony, kind of shit like that. Um, but then, then the the people that cry, <laughs> that's a whole other mm, set yeah. of problems, but at least they, you know, they're just not hurting other people. And in, at any rate, Artie was only really a damn danger to himself, except for the Sal incident and the high pitch Mike thing. I, I really don't have too much sympathy for high pitch Mike because he was really a, a mean son of a bitch and he was egging Artie on with the worst possible shit. And he kind of deserved some of the stuff he got, but he didn't get nearly as angry at Mike that he did with Teddy. Or Sal. No. Um, and uh, look, I, I think with the Mike situation, we were given some great material there as opposed to oh, yeah. like the, the Teddy, the Teddy fight was, is I Brutal. would never go back and listen to that. I would never listen to the Sal one either, but at least with the high pitch, Mike, you have the Disney, <laughs> the Disneyland. Oh yes. Story. <laughs> the Jets are going to have their way tonight. <laughs> <laughs> The days you come in late because you're seeing the doctor at six thirty. That, that happened once. Yeah, it only happened once. What is she talking so about? That in. Robin's what gone crazy. What is she about? doing, Doctor Drew? What I'm saying is, <laughs> like someone you, called me Robin? about doing an intervention with Artie. I said, listen, I got no intervention. Yeah. I I I told him if he needs time, go yeah. work his thing out. Go go do yeah. it. Let me say but something he does, else, Let me Dr. just finish. Drew, let me no, just, let because me just you're finish. you're in denial. Artie has attacked people here in the studio. He's a heroin addict. I get that. He's a heroin. He's, addict. he's capable of all kinds of stuff when he's using. But right. but yeah, an, I mean, an intervention somebody an intervention somebody's been treated multiple multiple times not so good. My fear is that he's gonna ha he may have to he, you've stared death down at least once. Yeah. And, and he may have to stare it down closer. 
before he finds the How motivation. How much closer I, can I, I get? I don't know, dude. That's what scares me for you. Really? What are you and, saying, and, Dr. I, I'm, I'm just going to have another near-death experience. That, that addicts that have relapse and obfuscate and bullshit and struggle sometimes need to have, they have to have a moment of clarity. And, and there's two things that really bring that. One is a feeling of total disgust, which is right. hard to get to, right. or or a really near, something they believe was near Rock death. bottom, they call where, it. Where you either go, I'm either going to live or I'm going to die right now. And my fear is his his out is always, I'll be with dad. And so uh, uh, it's a scary uh, no, place. No, for no, him. Really, you see, here's why I disagree with that. Because I think over the years I have become pretty much like an atheist. I don't. No, I think, your book I think is filled with God. Thank yeah, God, yeah, this, but, my uh, angels are watching yeah, over but, me. Yeah, but no, 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 Body, that's, not a, right. that's not a God thing. No, yes, yes it is. That's a you believe in magic. Thing. It's not a God. You thing. believe in spirituality, magic, Same. and yeah. angels watching Same. over no, you. No, I, I think he I have. I, I think it. I have a, a thing that you might have, where like I'm afraid to write it down or say it out loud in case there is a fucking God. Well, you've got something going. Well, I've kind of in the same boat, but um, I mean, the um, what, what we're seeing here now, of course, is Robin finally getting fed up with Howard not wanting to accept culpability for not actually laying down some ramifications, some consequences to Artie's actions. And really, without saying it, you're responsible, Howard. You're you're to blame for this. Well, he's allowed it to happen, hasn't he? And he's had yep. several, several opportunities to intervene. Mm-hmm. But what does he do when it happens? He, like the true leader that he is, I, I don't doodling. know. Yeah, I don't. What just happened? Oh, when that <laughs> when that fight went down, and oh, he that yeah. look on his face, like she goes, "What the f is going on?" And he, his eyes yeah. are bug eyed, and he goes, "I, I don't, don't know." know. <laughs> like, and it already came back. He's like, "You want this? You want? You love yeah. this?" And he was yeah. absolutely correct. And he was out of line, but he was correct. Like he wanted fights to go on. He wanted to the, the whole cast to be this whatever. I just think in this situation, Howard was so uncaring and didn't really give a fuck. Or maybe egging him on purposely to get him to that point. There was a, there's the the turning point after the bro fight where before then there was Howard did genuinely love seeing Artie with the food and the Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a cute kind of thing for Howard seeing him coming in because he could, Howard could vicariously eat all this garbage through Artie, I think. There was a bit of that happening. Yeah, so I think after the bro fight, um, everything changed in that there was a resentment with Howard. And and I think he, he looked at Artie as being someone who, this guy doesn't respect me anymore. There's no hero worship, which Howard totally requires fed of all his staff. And there's no fear either. So... I'm going to try and knock this guy down. And maybe, maybe if I can contribute to him hitting rock bottom, maybe I'll be someone he'll have more respect for. Who knows what he was thinking? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the, the, the thing is, uh, with, with Artie, again, it's just, it's all subconscious. It's all like, it's unsaid, but he's going, <clears throat> how many of these, and you look through that list of uh, the list of Howard TV stuff, even go on that uh, Daily Motion site, right? The Daily Motion channel. Mm-hmm. Look how much Artie stuff there is within the years where Artie's there. How many are Artie specific? Like one in four, two in four even sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's way too much stuff out there. And then you've got probably got people and his managers even saying, look, Artie, you're, you're not getting, you're not getting fucking you're not getting your due at this place considering the amount of 
you know, you on the cutting room floor here and how much you're there on the Howard TV and you don't get a fucking nickel from it because you've signed it away in perpetuity to this goblin. So if we can get, I think his, his agents at the time, at some point, they were wanting him to fucking audition like crazy. Forget the beer league situation. That was already bad enough. They were, they wanted him out of that fucking gig as soon as they could. If they could get a, a movie deal for him or if they get another TV gig, and I'm sure he wanted it as well. He always, already always said that. He said movie life is what he wanted. So you would yeah. work for two months and then not do anything. You could do the do what pick and choose whatever you wanted on the weekends. And um, yeah. now in retrospect, that's probably the last thing he needed. I yeah, think, he, I think he needed a someone, nine to five. He definitely uh, yeah. like a like a TV job would have been perfect for him because you're working all week. And then you shoot on the Friday, whatever, and then you're done. Yeah. Like a like sitcom, nine to, like a nine to five sit sitcom yeah. would be ideal and you're making yeah. good money. You're under, you're seeing the, the results of your work right away. Uh, usually like live studio audience and yeah, it's some canned laughter, probably post-production, but you're seeing the money weekly. Um, and it's, it's, if you're good at your craft, it's, it's a piece of piss. Yeah. Yeah, could have been so a movie like did you ever see that Christopher Plummer interview on um, there's a couple of like there's a round table on um, YouTube and the volume's really low. You have to soup it up somehow or get really good, good speakers. And he talks about the uh, the thin red line, the Terrence Malick film mm. and how Adrian Brody was cut out of the film, but wasn't told about it until he got to the premiere. He found out at the premiere that he wasn't even in the film. And uh, and Christopher Plummer had a scene with someone else. I can't remember who it was might've been Aiden Quinn. And he said something along the lines of, I'll never work with Terry Malick again. And all these people are in the round table. Were like, Oh Jesus, I didn't, <laughs> we're not prepared to hear someone trashing wow. a big director. And he said, I did this fantastic. We had this fantastic scene that was very dramatic and really moving. And, um, it, in the, in the final picture, it's just off in the distance while they focused on something else. And wow. it was completely like wiped. He said, I, and I, I didn't go through that. And especially an actor of his stature to not be included in the film. I would be pissed. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a, a tree of life was his, wasn't it? That was a good movie. I went to see that in the theater when it came out. Badlands as well. That, that was the, yeah, that was the Badlands, one that was yeah. really got the most kind of notoriety back in the day. But, uh, and I never, I, I, I never saw thin red line. I just, all those people to me, it was like, I did, I did. I also didn't enjoy, um, <laughs> a bridge too far, the Attenborough film, uh, which was had so many great actors in it, but it was, you know, a downer and a piece of shit. Um, it wasn't, nobody wants to see a war film where the people lose where the, ad, where, the, <laughs> where, the, where, the where the good guys lose, right? The golden um, rule. Yeah, and uh, not a great uh, particular aspect of the war to focus on. But anyway, that that being said, um, it, like you can get to this point in, in the business where like you feel you're hamstrung. It's not like Paul Lind to center square in Hollywood squares and feeling like I'm trapped in the fucking box or, you know, Gary Coleman, I'm going to be Arnold for the rest of my fucking life or the Henry Winkler, I'm going to be the Fonz. He went into directing so he wouldn't have to be on screen as much, and it was a brilliant move. Mm. This way you get your, to make your bones as something else. Michael Landon produced, wrote, directed, starred in, you know, owned outright these shows that he was working on, and uh, that was the way to do it. And if Artie he was, was able guy. to, who, Michael Landon? Michael Landon, yeah. I don't know how good of a person he was uh he was well, certainly I, a philandering guy but he but he's he very talented clearly 
Oh, but he's he was great. Uh, what I mean when I say great guy, look, I'm talking about. I never didn't know him, obviously. No, I know him. Say like, but, that, but um, uh, his appearances on Carson were fantastic. They're always good. Always, they were good. They were yeah, good friends. Really I didn't good. know this until uh, way later. Yeah. And he had uh, so many kids, didn't he? He had a ton of kids. Shitload. And uh, yeah. let me see if I got that clip. Hold on, I'm gonna play that. Let me see if I got the Michael Landon clip. We were just talking about Michael Landon real quick, guys, and I thought I'd throw this clip in because I already brought this up, and I thought it was an amazing anecdote. I just said that Michael Landon's son passed away, Mark Landon. Michael Landon, for those of you who are too young to know, was on the hit show Bonanza, went on to Little House on the Prairie, yeah. and died of cancer a number of years ago. And you're right, Robin, his son just died, who was 60 Mark years old. Landon. Can you believe that Michael Landon's son was 60 years I old? I can believe that. I have a story about Michael Landon that you'll find interesting, Howard. It, it, one of the executives at MGM involved with Dirty Work, his father was also in show business, and he was best friends with Michael Landon. They went to his office one day when this executive was about 20 years old, and Michael Landon said to the guy's father and this kid, hey, look, I just got the first syndication check for the show Highway to Heaven, not even Little House on the Prairie, Right. the show Highway to Heaven. He pulled out a check for $86 million. Stop oh it. Oh, my God. $86 million was wow. the first syndication check michael landon got for the show highway to heaven wow what 86 million dollars and i said to the guy nice guy his name's greg foster i, I think he might still be at mgm but he uh, i said what do you do as a kid when you see that and he's like you know you just it's like looking at you know <laughs> at a monster or something you know? <laughs> like yeah think of that wow wow that is incredible yeah because that show that show was big here Highway to Heaven. I love that, that show was the as one a that, kid. I yeah, really enjoyed yeah. it. I mean, it was just feel-good television, really. Yeah. I, I, rem I remember Highway to Heaven used to be shown, and then directly after, or either before it was, this is obviously on, on Irish TV, was The Incredible Hulk with the uh, big, big, Bill Bixby. Bill Bixby. Loved him. That, loved that show. That, that show was, because uh, well, I started watching that when I was maybe six, five. Yeah, yeah. And it scared the hell out of me. But of course I, I but 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 there was that so unique at the when you're that age this idea that this scary monster was didn't want to hurt you know had a conscience and and was just confused and, and i just thought i watched a few of them again recently and i thought bill bixby was superb in that he, he was that, brilliant he really, really was fantastic i love the uh <laughs> the, the what was the the exec that said like the character's name was uh Bruce in the comics, but they changed it to David because they thought Bruce was too gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this would have been around the time of the village people, wouldn't it? Maybe I suppose. One yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, guys, we're going to leave that there. I'm sorry if we went on a little meandering thing here and there. We're going to let this, we want, we want to let this episode breathe. Uh, if you hate the fucking personal stories, please let us know and I will deep six them in future reference. Like some of them, like some of the stuff is getting cut out no matter what. But um, we, uh, when it gets to this kind of dark, depressing material, sometimes we may want to go another path just a little bit to add a little levity and get you some stupid laughs. So uh, any closing thoughts before we just turn the mic? off well i think we will we'll see more in a, in a future episode but like i said earlier it's it's i'm not trashing drew as a, as a for his ability i think he certainly has that ability but the important mm -hmm. thing that i try to keep in my mind when i'm listening to this is he you can be you can be a manipulative star fucker and also be a very good position at the same time and i think right that's where i tend to fall on this 
And and the other thing is, guys, and I'll add this to Drew's credit. He was on the not the Nick and Artie show, but the, the artist show after Nick DiPaolo left. And there's two clips. There's three clips, but one of them is a repeat. But uh, there's two parts of an appearance of him and from 2012 ish. So they definitely maintained a, a decent enough relationship where he was plugged as a guest or plugged in as a guest and already said, yeah, I have no problem with that. So I don't think he even in the wrap up show he does. He will explain he, he doesn't have it in for Drew. But he's seeing it from the same way we're looking at it. Like, this is exploitation. Yeah. And uh, you can, yeah, like you said, you can care. You can be a, you know, a capable physician perhaps. But um, when you're crossing that line, your credibility goes right out the fucking window. 100%. Yeah. So have a good one, guys. We hope you enjoyed this one. And uh, as the baby gorilla would say, take care. Brush your hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>